0: Another extraordinary message on Gil Athletics Connections. Well, welcome to the show. If it goes to appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most, Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. Got to prep for you, carry the load. It's coffee to the soul. For those of us who stay on the go. Proper handoff to stay in the zone. What you packing for the road. There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toe. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen to you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor. Here's of, of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a standard to live up to. And the price sacrifice. Can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight not a win or lose it's not a ploy but vice so y'all can make more moves it's not about how to it's all about why you don't know till you know who you are inside six million ways to tie choose none so we all cross the finish line the work ain't done so we learn from the experts we all got to put in the legwork guild athletics use a network it's all about connections put together for the profession to every track coach could be blessed
1: Hey all right, thanks for joining us here. We're back on the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast. Um, I'm super excited. I'm going to jump right in. Help me welcome from Hartford High School in beautiful, cold, I don't know, it's it's June, July time, so hopefully it's at least warm Vermont. Hartford High School, help me welcome Miss Fatima Shabaz. Fatima, how are you?
2: I'm great, Mike. How are you doing today?
1: Uh you know, in Vermont, I think it's always zero degrees. So I feel like I'm doing better than you. But what what is it really? <laughs> Let's dispel some myths here. What is the
0: temperature right now?
2: Um, I would have to look on my phone. Um, uh, well, so on my laptop. It's 80 degrees, which oh. is shocking. <laughs> We've had a few uh 80 degree days so far, but um, it will not stay consistent until about two more weeks. We have had some cold ones it's been rainy but it's actually 80 today
1: <laughs> so, so when it when it dips down right right now you in the june july time frame how far does it dip though
2: um i would say i want to say about last week or so maybe two weeks ago um it was about 50 degrees okay that's that's so, pretty cold in june not too yeah. bad yeah. yeah and it actually felt amazing and that's scary because that that means i have adjusted to the weather here <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that can be scary. I get it. I, I was just in uh, Austin, Texas for 10 days and then flew to Eugene, Oregon. And in Texas, it was like 100, 110. And then right. I flew to Eugene and it was like 60. And I mean, that variable degree, it was like 60 is not that cold. You're, you're right, you know, in the scheme of things but it was cold after spending a week in a hundred plus. Yeah,
0: (laughs) for sure. Well,
1: that's enough of me and my travels, Fatima. I'd love to learn more about you. Uh, Again, so thankful, you know, we get into a crunch sometimes as we do this show weekly. We want to weekly be able to give you and present to you uh, a new coach from around the country. And sometimes because of my travel schedule, oh, and by the way, your travel schedule coaches, uh, we get into a little bit of a time crunch. So I'm just so thankful here. Fatima stepped up to the plate. I made a uh, a plea, a 911 SOS, help me out. I need someone tomorrow. And uh, just so thankful for you, Fatima, that you're able to uh, not only be willing to step up, but had the time to to spend with us here today. I'm just so so grateful for you.
2: No problem. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I'm a, a pretty frequent uh, listener to the podcast, so I'm <laughs> happy to... Get a chance to join
1: you. <laughs> so okay. I'm always I always like when someone says that I like to put them on the spot here a little bit. What has been your favorite episode that you've listened to?
2: Um, it I have two. Um, I really enjoyed, and maybe I'm biased, um, but I really enjoyed listening to uh Kaba that's at Harvard, Coach mm-hmm. Kaba. And um I'm pretty sure Althea Thomas has come on, right? Yeah, those are my two. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to mix it up because I know I've listened to both of those coaches on different podcasts, but those are my favorite. Uh, I think Coach Cable was like pretty early, like probably like in the 50s or something, somewhere Boy, yeah. along that line. I'm going to yeah. name
1: you officially the Gill Track and Field Connection historian. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, Cable was one of the first, mm, I'm going to say five, six, seven, right around there. We we actually, uh, when I first started this back in January of 2020, was in Boston for, uh, for a meet and for some meetings and things like that. And so we actually right. got three, Mark Mangiacati, Brenner Abbott, and Kaba uh, all wow. at Hollywood, kind of in the same day, like I went to one office and then I went to another. And amazing. Caba, <laughs> yeah, Kaba, you know, such a, what an amazing background he has. And was going so well, and then he had a meeting, so we actually had to cut it short. But we got him to come back and do like a part two. We picked up right where we left off, and I think around seventy or eighty or maybe a hundred. But but you named yeah, that's the one I listened
2: to. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, You you (laughs) named uh, two great. I mean, first of all, Kaba, love him to death. Come on, Um, like I just uh, ran into Brenner Abbott from Harvard in the airport coming home from Nike. Uh, They were getting ready to head over to England. They do some kind of uh, Oxford, Ivy League competition—it's—it's it's really unique. It's really, really special. Um, and then Althea Thomas—you know—who I've known since she was an athlete. Yeah. What a, yeah. what a leader! What a personality! Amazing! Amazing. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate you listening, and you—you uh, you picked up two great ones. And if you're listening, and you've not listened to either of those, yeah. go back to the back catalog, in the
2: archives. <laughs> in That's right. That's
1: right. The historian has deemed it for you to go back into the archives. <laughs> That's exactly right. You're listening to number 200 and something. So that means there are 200 and something past. um, And I don't necessarily expect you to go from number one all the way through. Although I do know of at least one person that's doing that. Uh, When they messaged me the other day, they're on 125 or something like that. And I was like, bless you because these are long podcasts here. Yeah. Uh, So I appreciate that. Okay, Fatima. So again, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being here. Let's kind of jump into our way back machine here. Coaching at some point, assuming you were an athlete, had to switch for you in your in your mind, in your brain, It had to go from something that was done to you. Hey, go run this, lift this, throw this mm-hmm. to like, oh, wait a minute. Like, maybe I could be a coach. Where does coaching begin for you?
2: Um, coaching actually started. In two different aspects of my life, my um my senior year of high school in my senior year of college, senior year of high school had like a little mini little league 5-year-old team. Um my brother uh he constantly runs like nonprofits that are geared towards, you know, students having a chance or kids having a chance to participate in athletics. And I it started off as just me showing up and going along with him to help him out. Um one day and I ended up one day we were driving home after a practice and he was like, you know, I'm a coach short. Would you like to help me this season? And I thought about it and I was like, sure. So um, my first team was like a little five through six year old team, first timers, <laughs> first team sport. <laughs> I got a chance to run up and down the court with them and it was amazing. Um, I didn't know then that I wanted to coach. Um, I didn't do it the next year because I actually went off to college, Mm -hmm. but um, it was a great experience. And it's something that I always remember just like, trying to just figure it out, um, having a great support system, but just figuring out how I wanted to like run my practices and, you know, giving like good equal playing time and also dealing with the emotions of five and six year olds (laughs) on the basketball court. So it was a good time. And then, um, my senior year of college, um, my senior athletic season, actually more so I, uh, I think most athletes more than likely experience this, especially if they're not really gearing to go um, pro in the sport. um, I just found myself in a place where, you know, I'm looking at the schedule like, oh my gosh, this will be my last Morehouse Relays. Oh my gosh, this will be my last time going to this meet. And I was really sad about it. And um, I started talking with my coach a little bit about it and just having a conversation of, what that felt like. And um, I really thought no more about it. But then as I got deeper into my season um, as a student athlete, there were some parts of my season where I would finish my race and I would like, I would think like, well, maybe I could have done something different or maybe this could have happened. So I started really talking to my coach at that time, my event coach about like, Hey, last season we did this, but we haven't done this in a while. Or Mm -hmm. I feel like I need a little more of this and my coach at that time, uh, Marcus Broussard, he always listened and responded to like what my needs were as a student athlete. And like I could show up to practice the next Monday and what I asked for was on the menu, or at some point that week, or he would tell me, Well, I understand why you want to do this, but we're not gonna actually do this. It's a little too late in the season, or we'll work that in. So like that was my first opportunity to really have a voice in what I was doing on the track and you know how it felt and how my body was responding and then the following year my head coach at my university actually go ahead
1: pause there because there, there's two interesting aspects there go back to that high school experience you know typically when we go into coaching even if it's um I'm gonna call it volunteer you know you're in high school still so you're not getting paid right uh mm-hmm. opportunity. we typically fall back to how we were coached I mean that's Right. Representation matters, right? So we see how someone did it to us, and either we like that and felt good about it, so we would emulate that, or we didn't like that, and so we would maybe try to do the opposite. When you were working, and God bless you for working with five and six-year-olds, oh my goodness, <laughs> I I, uh, I have two kids of my own, a middle schooler and, and fourth grader, and uh, anytime they're in sports, you know, I just can't coach young kids. I, I guess I found out I actually can't coach older kids either, but, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful that there is someone who can. So after every practice and, you know, competitions, I always go up and say, thank you, like, you know, because I can't. So thank you for being sincere about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) If you weren't doing this, no one, because I am not stepping in here. Um, But I'm curious with those young kids, who did you have someone on the high school level that like you emulated or, you you know, from that side of things, like you you didn't just go out there and say, okay, I'm just going to make things up. You had to be some (laughs) kind of representation there. You're smart. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I know because I'm thinking about my coach. Um, my high school coach, I I play for uh Reggie Lee, coach Reginald Lee, um, Columbus Brookhaven. Um he was, I don't know, like I know you're a track and field guy, but like uh on the side of basketball, like your WNBA player, uh Helen Darling, um Brittany Hunter, one of like the first uh high school athletes to dunk in the McDonald's, uh, all-star game. Um, we had a really high caliber, uh, basketball program, um, mm-hmm. both on the guy side and the girl side. And my coach, like I didn't play my senior year. Um, my focus went straight to running after I really like realized like, Oh, I'm pretty decent in this. I can't say I was like a state champion, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. decent at this. And, um, like my coaching even now like it's a reflection of my basketball coach just Mm -hmm. knowing how he how he ran practice you know just like the structure like what his expectations were they were always clear and like that's a big reflection of who I am today in coaching and also my brother um (laughs) my brother actually was my first basketball coach that was rough (laughs) because it, I practice didn't stop when the, the basketballs got put up. It was, you know, riding home. I had to hear about, you know, things to work on. And, you know, sometimes I just wanted to, like, sit there and just <laughs> look out the window. But um, my brother's actually the person that first told me I was going to run. And I was as I was running Um, because I missed the rebound, too many rebounds in practice. I was saying to myself, this man does not know what he's talking about. <laughs> And my brother is like, you know, every time you miss a a rebound today, I'm gonna have you run. And he's he's like, you're gonna run so much today, you're gonna end up being on somebody's track team. <laughs> and I was like, no way, I do not like running. And that actually, he was right. Um, I had no clue that I would run, and a lot of it is because of um Coach Lee. He uh, in the spring, we had to either play AU, play softball, or run track.
0: Mm. I had
2: no desire to to do either well specifically uh softball or track um my grandparents couldn't really like afford like doing the AAU circuit and I had to think about it like do I want a ball flying at me or do I possibly want to just run so I ended up running (laughs) and my my basketball coach was the track coach at that time to one of the assistants so that's how I got into it and like between my brother and my basketball coach like that's When I decided I was going to coach a little league team, Hmm. that was the influence. And when I made mistakes or things went wrong, I thought of like just conversations and things they told me and how they reacted. And it's like a big part of my coaching today.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm actually very glad that you have come from a, on the high school side, more of a basketball background. You know, one of the things that we've thought about exploring here, I mean, obviously, you know, we're track and field focused first and foremost. And I think, uh, you know, after, you know, 200 plus coaches, we're certainly learning a lot from other track and field coaches. Um, but I think and it's funny, it came up in, on Twitter today in a, in a direct message. You know, there is something to learn from other sport coaches, yes. you know, basketball, swimming, Um uh, football, et cetera, basketball. Uh, and again, not on the X's and O's, you know learning how to run a post route isn't necessarily probably going to help us in track, but the the thought process of how you treat kids and how right. you um, uh, you know how you think about your own career even in a football yeah. setting versus basketball, golf coach, et cetera. So I'm actually quite uh, excited that you kind of come from that background and, and 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 also shows that you don't have to have been a back a track background from the get-go to go on to do stuff in track like oh you know it was basketball first and then I realized I didn't want a softball in my head so uh yeah. <laughs> I'm do I'm go do go do track and field so I really like that right. now on the uh other aspect that you talked about with your college coaches where do you, you end up going to school
2: um Kentucky State University oh, right yeah. for Kentucky
1: yes 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 great the, the um Oh man, I love knowing mascot. I almost want to say the mule riders. It's not the mule riders. What is? No, there? not are at there? all.
2: Okay. <laughs> We're the thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. I knew it
1: was something. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was something there. Okay, thoroughbreds. I love that. G- green and black are the school colors, right? Green and yellow. No, I'm nah, too-
2: Kelly. Green and gold.
1: Green and gold. Okay, I was I was close enough. I'm gonna count that as a win. Um, but there, you talked about the philosophy of coaching the person. Not not the event. So you talked about Coach Broussard was, uh, you know, listened to you and um, sometimes did put the, the the ideas into play. And then when he didn't, kind of explained it to you right. about that as well. What impact has that made on you and your coaching career?
2: It's it's a major part of it. Um, I I didn't do it at first. I didn't understand how to do it at first. How to like successfully or not really a from a success standpoint, but how to really have those conversations with student athletes about the why. And so while um Marcus like is he's actually one of my friends because he's also my my college teammate. Um while like that was something that worked for me when I first got into coaching, I didn't understand how to deliver it to the athletes right away. Mm -hmm. And it actually took me, um, started coaching fall 2011. It took me about two or three more years to successfully understand why and how to do it. And that came from one of my close friends, um, Antonio Wells. Um, he's down at, um, Mm Winston-Salem. Um, we worked together for two years at Kentucky state university, um, He was actually like my first hire. (laughs) Um, He had left coaching for a little bit and um, I called him up one day, like, Hey, my friend, like um, we need another coach. Um, We're short a coach, you know, what are you doing? And he was like, I can be there next week. And I was like, what for real? (laughs) But um, working with Antonio gave me the opportunity to really see why, like, I felt like I had the experiences where sometimes coaches were like, this is what we're doing and don't ask questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I kind of took that on. You know, what are we doing today? Oh, we're running, you know, like (laughs) and that wasn't necessary. Right. So working with Antonio gave me the opportunity to like really see how he executed practice Mm -hmm. and how he talked through. What was on the menu? What what practice looked like? Why we were doing things? And then we would have conversations, and like he would critique me, like, "Hey, you should add this," or you know, "Why are we doing this?" Mm-hmm. And I realized like how important questions were for track and field athletes, and not just for the athlete, but really for the coach, because like sometimes it takes someone to ask you the question, a question, and to say, "Oh." well, that doesn't actually sound right. Or maybe I should adjust or, you know, a simple question to an athlete of how are you doing today? Because the workout that you have planned for them may not work. Um, So just having that impact from, like, I, really, honestly, Antonio's another coach that I add to a list of how I got into the sport and how I grew in the sport and how I coached the sport now. So, you,
1: you know, you said a lot of great things, Fatima, and I'm sure for the next four hours of this podcast, you're going to say some (laughs) many, many other smart things, but you said, you just said something there that was, I think it can be kind of glossed over, but I think it might be one of the most important things that have been said on this podcast. You said, I I wrote it down. uh, I learned how important questions were for athletes and coaches. That's, really like when you start thinking about uh you know a huge coaching education fan and, and advocate that to me is what coaching education is and should be it's asking right. questions it's, it's it goes back to that 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 uh that skill of curiosity right. like hey why why do you do that hey why don't we do this like th- that to me is a, a really fascinating aspect of uh improving as a coach and not just x's and O's but the 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 profession of coaching track and field hey why why do you take a vacation every week after national right. or state meet or hey why do you uh shut your phone off at seven o'clock every whatever you know things like that i think those that's that was a really uh insightful lesson that you learned and i'm really glad that you learned it kind of early in life as well of i, I learned how important questions were for athletes and coaches I, I just wanted to make sure i highlighted that i thought that was uh, extremely uh, insightful there so go back to uh, when you started looking at colleges and you ended up choosing Kentucky State. What was the idea? What did you think your career was going to be? Were you going in to become a nurse, uh, a business owner, a teacher? What did you think was going to be the <laughs> career?
2: I started school, a, <laughs> a double major in business, uh, marketing and accounting. Mm-hmm. And that lasted for all of about a semester. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, of course, my freshman year, I hadn't really got into my core coursework. I mean, well, I was taking my core classes, my math and science and English and all of those things. But then I had already started to really think about, you know, my thing was, oh, I don't want to sit in an office all day, crunch numbers. I'm sorry, you
1: picked business and marketing. (laughs) Mm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right.
2: Okay. Right. So like, and I ended up going into education and, um, I'm so happy that I went into education. And I, I swear, as I was, as I was thinking this morning, I was thinking about my brother randomly while I was walking my dog, my, my oldest brother, Al. Um, I was just thinking about like the impact he's had on my life from coaching to education because my brother, um, <laughs> I was 16 years old and I wanted to go get my own job and I applied to all these places. And I was actually one of those people that fell into the scheme of like, I'm, I'm not sure if you tried it at all or you applied where I thought I was going to sell knives one summer. I forget what the company is called, <laughs> but I thought I had landed a secure job and then I Googled it and I was like, mm, this is a little sketch. I'm not going to do that one. But my brother came home that same night and it was like, I have a job for you for the summer. And I was like, oh. uh I wanted to do this on my own. But my brother had um, found a summer camp for his, his children to attend. And my brother was like, and you're going to work there too? And I was like, what? I only like your kids. <laughs> I do not really care for kids like that. No, I'm not. And my brother had already like arranged my interview and all of those things. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I get to this interview. I really don't want to be there. And I actually blew the interview panel away. And I really, to this day, I I guess it was just because I was myself. Um,
1: Amen. I was going to point that out. Yep. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) So I blew the interview panel away. Um, I was hired. Um, It was like the best summer of my life. I fell in love with kids. And I still didn't plan to go into education until um the middle of that freshman year school year um i ran away from education for a long time um got out of college went into was a preschool educator but i was also still a volunteer coach at kentucky state and i somewhere along the line i was like i really don't want to teach i want to coach and so i worked my way through the program um as a volunteer coach to part-time coach associate head. And when I left Kentucky state, I was the head coach of the program. And um, I just like teaching for me was such a benefit because like just learning classroom management Mm -hmm. and learning how to navigate different personalities and having good conversations with students, it really impacted my coaching. Mm So I started off, I went to Kentucky state Kentucky state education major and I left still a educator um a educator by sport and um I really enjoyed it so
1: it is yeah. it's amazing to me that we ask 17 18 year old kids like we'd all say I'm they're kids
2: <laughs> uh choose
1: a career for the rest of your life by choosing your major right. essentially yeah yeah, yeah. it's it still kind of boggles me when i it, it and i you know i just i fell into the same track and i changed majors of course and uh, right. things like that but now i look at my two kids i'm like man maybe you don't want to go to college right out the bat like you know go spend a year doing other things taste other things and figure it out but to commit yourself at 18 right there- like, man, unless you just grew up like your whole life was going to be engineering or teacher or, or, you know, something like I've always had right. this passion, but most of us go to school and gosh, we don't even know what shirt we want to wear the next day. How in the world exactly. are a major <laughs> that we're spending a lot of money on too, by the way?
2: Right.
1: I, I love that. And I think, you know an interesting point you brought up there about that interview um, and you know, you, you didn't want the job. And so you kind of were just, you know, you were, you were yourself and you said you blew them away. And I think that's really an important lesson for all of us as coaches and as head coaches that are interviewing assistant coaches, like we we need to be more real and just be ourselves and let the job fall where it may you either get the job or don't get the job. Because if you interview and you uh, act to the head coach how you think the head coach wants you to be, and then you get the job. Well, y- you put on an act. That's not who you are. So you're, you're not actually be really good at the job uh, satisfactory wise. The head coach is going to sniff that out pretty soon and be like, well, wait a minute. Boy, you, you told me you were in the office at 7 a.m. every day, and yet I can't get you in the office till noon, but I expect the 7 a.m. You know, so it's, it's just going to be a bad situation. Uh, whereas if you go in and you're you, yourself, Um, And you get the job. It's like, oh, that's gonna be a really good fit or even better, just as good. You don't get the job. Well, good, because that wouldn't have been a good fit for you. You would have been miserable. You know, Uh, Dave Smith, head coach of Oklahoma State was recently on the podcast. And he talked about doing an interview where he uh, drove in the van with the coach for eight hours. And I was like, what a great, like, that should be the interview, maybe not eight hours, but that should be the interview. Like, Okay, you're going to interview to be on my staff. Cool. Let's get in the, the car and we're going to, we're going to go a three hour little loop. I mean, you know, you get real when you're just in the car and, you know, stop at the gas station for snacks and like, right. it, It's hard to keep up an act in that situation. So I think <laughs> that's how all interviews should go for, for track and field. Okay. So you're at Kentucky state, you finally go into the education side, which was Probably the the side that you were uh, designed for from the get-go, yes. but we have to find our way. The path is never straight, right? It's it's up and down and through the hills and the valleys and such. You uh, graduate from Kentucky State. What was the first coaching? You mentioned you went through a really kind of unique process through Kentucky State as a coach. Did it start like the very next year as a volunteer coach, or was there a
2: team? Um, I i walked off the track as an athlete in may and i hit the ground running probably the next month of like understanding Mm -hmm. what the job entailed and what it would look like and how i would balance you know working as well so um it was the next month and Mm -hmm. um fall came august came and i was a volunteer coach so it was a pretty quick process um actually i have to take some steps back i hadn't even graduated yet um mm-hmm. my i hadn't gra- yeah i was Um, uh, my eligibility was done but i still had to um student teach mm-hmm. and so i was still in class on cam- in on campus and i was coaching
1: So, so I'm always curious about that. Um, When you hear of undergrads that get hired as grad assistants. So like, like you said, in May, you're homeboy or homegirls with the team. And yeah. August, you are now coach <laughs> yes. uh, and you can't be the, the same yes. and how that goes. So how did you, you know, when when August came and you were a volunteer coach, so you're helping out, you're doing things, you're also student teaching, you're walking around campus to go finalize your last few classes. Yeah. And Sally, who was you used to hand the baton to her in May. Now you're telling her, well, here's what we need to do for uh, preseason training. How did that transition uh go for you
2: it was rough mm-hmm. um I feel like because I was still a student I wanted to still do all of the student things mm-hmm. but I recognized that I was in a different boat of leadership and so I tapered off like I still hung out with my teammates but it hanging out looked different mm-hmm. um We still did like our family meals and, you know, of course I was with them outside of class and outside of studying, which ended up being like not really being able to really be with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the best things for me was to have like that distance because while I was still a student, um, I wasn't like an employee of the institution. Mm -hmm. It just still didn't feel right to live a college life with Mm -hmm. college students, even though they were still technically my peers because Mm -hmm. um, I still had to be a leader. Um, What did help though was the fact that I had been captain, I had been captain of my team since my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I already, in their eyes, I already was a leader and I wouldn't sit here and say I was the perfect leader but I was already their leader and I just took a different role and um I continued to be there for them but um I like quickly had to make decisions of you know hey we're going here are you going I'm like no nope. <laughs> I cannot go um and um it was that was rough for me um because the team like we were my my culture's really big on family so those are my girls those are my guys like you know that's who i spent a majority of my time in college with created like life lifelong friendships um you know like my my teammates like their kids are like my my god kids (laughs) and you know we were at each other's like graduations and you know weddings and everything and you know, it w- it was rough, mm-hmm. but um it's something I knew I had to do. So I had to slowly distance myself. And in many ways, I was just like really waiting for like a few of my teammates to graduate. Like, come on, hurry up so we can we can hang out
1: again. Right, right. It's a it's a curious part of um I you know, I don't know enough about the other sports, football, baseball, basketball. Yeah. But so I'll just use it as track. It's a curious part of track and field for me where, you know, one day, you know, I always use the example one night in May, you're playing Xbox on Friday nights with your, with your, with your people, like I said, your family. And right. then in August, you are disciplining them because they were late for practice. Like, right. I, I honestly <laughs> think like it, Um, you know, this may be a an um, uh, un, unpopular opinion. I almost think like it shouldn't be allowed. You, you know, I, I can't yeah. think. Like if I think about teachers, so if if someone graduates high school at eighteen, they still have to go away for four years, even if it's a local school, right. and come back to teach. They're not teaching; they don't turn around and teach their exactly. peers. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know of any professors that uh, you know. I'm in class with you today, and then in the fall, I'm now your teacher. Maybe a TA. Yes. Maybe I don't, I don't. I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, but it's just always curious uh, to me
0: yeah.
1: about that. So, um, anyway, so with you, Fatima, you know, when you when you go into a volunteer role, and for you, unique uh, in the sense of like you're you're still doing your student teaching during this fall semester at least, right. uh, it still allows you to now see the different part of track and field because again, you were an athlete for you know four to five years. Now you're seeing things in a different light of like, oh man. I, I, too, am upset when the kids aren't on time, but I used to be right. on time myself. And it allows you to get that taste of coaching track and field and and, and easily be able to say, oh, yeah, this isn't for me right. or or you do it. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Yes. The, oh, my. This is what I was put on earth for. What, what I mean because you continue to do it so I have to assume some part of that the latter example there is true what parts uh in that volunteer position uh were you like oh man yeah yeah this is this is me this is what I was put here
2: for um I think uh I don't know I would say it's a mixture um I think the ex the exposure that, my head coach allowed me to get very early on like not so much my first volunteer year because um i was still in school but once i graduated and i uh got a chance to really like spend more time and travel Mm -hmm. um just being around other coaches um like opened my eyes to, oh my gosh, I think I could do this long term. And then when I started to attend conventions and get the chance to really meet people from like every walk of life, Division one Division aia NAIA, um, that opened my eyes. And then even more when I started to attend a lot of like the like coaching education. So like my first- um, moment to really like step out of my comfort zone and like meet new coaches was when I first um did a endurance certification and that's actually where I met like Althea Thomas like mm-hmm. we were we weren't in the same class um, she was doing I think like maltes or sprints and hurdles mm-hmm. and I was doing endurance but like being able to see these people and interact and be in class with them. I'm at a small division, uh, two institution. And and at that time, I believe Althea was at UK and she was like just down the road. I think she was like transitioning to LSU at that time. Um, when she was there, but to like interact with these people and like see like the different levels of the journey. Um, that was really big for me and being able to just see like what it took and like just understand like i don't know like how my journey just get a picture of how my journey could look like mm-hmm. and
0: mm-hmm.
2: who i needed to have in my corner and mm-hmm. who i needed to talk to and that was big for me um even now like being a i miss college athletics but like still having a lot of those people in my corner, checking in, being able to reach out, like that's been good for me because um working in high school athletics, it's a it's a different monster. Um and it's actually taught me so much that I didn't think it would mm. teach me. Um I value it a lot. And I actually, funny story, I remember you saying earlier, like, ooh thank you for doing that. When I coached five-year-olds, I actually, I didn't do it this year, but my first two years living in Vermont actually worked with um, a summer track club, (laughs) K through eighth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. We're really K through nine kids going into high school. And you want to see like where your coaching <laughs> education is and if you can apply those skills go go teach little four and five-year-olds how to run <laughs>
1: and you will lose so many coaches if that ever became a requirement <laughs> We would oh so goodness. many accountants and business <laughs> owners it's like nah i'm good
2: <laughs> oh it was, it was it was interesting but so fun and um i don't know the journey's been amazing um With, Let's, it's keep not working
0: on that journey.
1: Let's keep going with that journey because it's interesting if if I heard you right you went from volunteer yeah. coach to assistant coach to head coach at Kentucky State. Mm-hmm. How did that transition so talk to us about the volunteer coach to assistant coach to more full-time.
2: Um, coach. Well I I mean a big part of it was funding. Um, my program didn't have a lot of resources um, so when I first talked about coaching my coach was like hey you know I really don't have any money like to take care of school or anything, but if you would like to come out here in a volunteer capacity, it's fine. And honestly, I hadn't even thought about it. I Honestly, like I was so new to it. I didn't really know those kind of uh, opportunities mm-hmm. really existed and it wasn't a thought. So started off a volunteer, um, transitioned into like a part-time assistant. Um, I guess it was like two years in or a year and a half in, um, Maybe it was my second year. I'll have to actually pull my resume. I really don't remember. I just know I went volunteer.
1: Were you teaching? Part-time. Were you teaching during the volunteer?
2: Um, my first year I was a um student teacher. Mm-hmm. And then the second year, I was I was a part-time, like super, super part-time, <laughs> part-time coach. And I was teaching um preschool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, uh, let me see. Keep keep my years together. Um, <laughs> December two thousand thirteen, and this this started fall two thousand eleven. December two thousand thirteen, I actually moved from a part time coach role into the associate head uh, cross country coach assistant coach position. Um, I stayed in that role for from two thousand 13 to uh July of 2015 as a full-time coach Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the only reason I changed at that capacity was because um we had this really crazy budget cut at my university and all of our assistant coaches were made Mm part-time and I had to like make a really big decision um because financially it wasn't something that I felt like I could navigate but i loved coaching so much and my head coach was actually um laid off and we had like a program that was just looking like what do we do next mm. so i stayed around um i just picked up i <laughs> i picked up an additional job i already worked like a little part time job i picked up one more job i stayed around and um i had the opportunity in like 2016 to step into a role within athletics or I was working as a compliance officer so I went back full-time hmm. that was crazy trying to navigate three seasons and do compliance for all uh, sports um I realized after a year like no <laughs> I cannot do both <laughs> yeah um I also at that point had um assumed the role as the interim head coach so I told them like I cannot do both. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just too much for me to be a compliance director, the coach of six different teams. Um, It just wasn't feasible. I felt like I wasn't giving as much of my time to my athletic program. And then I had like a personal life. So I just (laughs) felt like that was okay. And so... um, I ended up having my interim tag removed. Um, under we had transitioned through a few athletic directors. Um, she removed that tag, ATN Thomas, and she gave me the opportunity to lead my program. And um, I'm thankful that she gave me that opportunity because she as she was a new athletic director, she could have easily came in and said, Well, I see you're here holding the seat, but um I have someone else uh that I would like to bring in, see ya. And she didn't do that to me. And um I did. I, I still do. I appreciate the fact that she gave me that chance to hmm. to figure it out and build my team. So it was a journey. <laughs> you know, and of course, know. I was one of those coaches that the pandemic hit hmm. and more institutional cuts came. Hmm. And uh, I remember being in a meeting and they were like, yeah, we're about to make some budget cuts. We're going to take about uh, 50 staff members Um, We'll cut about 50 staff members. And I had no clue. Like I I sat there and I watched the meeting, you know, Um, I had no clue that I would be in that number. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was cut and I was, (laughs) I was like, whoa. (laughs) But um, I see it as a blessing now. Um, It was rough because I had just like recruited the previous year. Biggest recruiting class mm-hmm. um ever, like since I had been there. And I had been a part of the program for 13 years. And um, biggest recruiting class, um, had a nice team that came in from all over the country. Um, was really excited. Um, season got cut short. We were doing some things and um it hit me and I was like, wow, what do I do next? I feel like I only know coaching. Um I ended up moving here with my partner a few months later, and to, to um, Vermont. Yeah, So Vermont. Well, let's and, pause. Right,
1: uh, let's pause right there before we go to the Vermont yes. side. I know everybody's interested. How does this Ohio, Kentucky girl get to Vermont? Because, <laughs> uh, but but I'm curious. You know, Fatima, as I'm listening to that story of your time, you know, over years there at Kentucky State, you know, um, getting a, a part time assistant coaching job. Then getting the full time, uh, adding compliance to your plate, uh, you know, big budget cuts, which I remember that, um, and, and getting the, getting the head, head job, you, you know, there were a lot of areas for you to quit. Like like yeah. like, there were a lot of times as you're telling that story, I'm like, oh, you know, she just said, "Hey, I'm done. I'm going to go find another job." Like no one would have blamed you. What kept right. you from quitting? You kept fighting. For this institution what kept you fighting there
2: oh um, <laughs> there's a lot of there's there's many things that kept me there one um it's my alma mater mm-hmm. and not only is it my alma mater but it it was my grandfather's alma mater. Like, I learned about Kentucky State University oh, because wow. of my brother. I mean, not, not my brother, my grandfather. Wow. Um It was, like, a, a piece of being, like, truly a part of my grandfather's legacy. He was a football athlete. I actually found out right before I left Kentucky State University that he was actually on the track team. And I had this r- joke with my brother, like, why do you think he didn't tell us? Was he not that good of a <laughs> track guy? Or <laughs> Because you know? it's
1: better you don't know that part of the legacy.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um but um one, it was my alma mater, and um I just since I arrived to that campus for my visit, like I've like just breathed Kentucky State just yeah, just just part of me. Um I built so many friendships and it was such a environment for me to just mature and find out like really who i am and so i felt like i could never give back to kentucky state what kentucky state gave to me mm-hmm. which was like being the youngest of my um of my siblings it gave me like younger siblings in a sense um mm-hmm. have a big family but um Having that second family, um, it paved the way for my career. So as things were going wrong, and at times it felt like the the ship was sinking, I still have my loyalty to the university. Um, What everyone else didn't see, the brilliance of my historically Black college, and despite like budget cuts and different issues that arrive at universities, I still saw how amazing of a place it was, mm-hmm. and that's how I was able to recruit kids. And not really have a big scholarship budget, and not really have a lot to offer, except for the fact that I let parents and kids know that I was on love on their kids. I was gonna, I would make sure that to the best of my ability, they weren't just going to come run for me, but they were going to graduate, and we would make sure they were pursuing careers you know, that fit for them. Um, I knew that it was important, um, not just to me and not just to our alumni, but it was just like Kentucky State's an important part of Black history and Black education, you know, it's, it's paved the way just like many historically Black colleges have. And so it was important for me to make sure that I continue to help a program build the program build and or really grow. And so I stayed like my coach was let go 2015. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I knew that they were going to hire a new coach. I knew that coach wouldn't be me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I had a job. I I sat in a meeting with our assistant athletic director at that time, as he was transitioning into a role of the AD, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm bringing in Tori Edwards," and I was like, "What? <laughs> You're bringing in Tori Edwards to be the head coach?" And I was like, "Are you serious?" He was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "I love that idea. <laughs> like, I get to learn from Tori Edwards." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm bringing in Tori Edwards. Um, we're gonna try to like really put this program like just elevate it." and just the time working with Tori Edwards um, was it was amazing because mm-hmm. i never had like the experience of working under a female head coach mm-hmm. um i had one female coach two my entire athletic career one in high school one in college and the one in college was also like my my head coach was big on bringing in former student athletes so it was my teammate as well um but I had never worked under a woman in leadership in track and field. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, that experience by itself was amazing. She taught me so much how to just navigate um, our program while it was a small division two, but to treat it like it was a division one mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. And many great things came from that. Um, Let, let's stay on that totally topic. Top. Let's stay on
1: that topic. Sure, second. Top. First, a quick comment, you know, the way you were describing that about Kentucky sure. state, it was real interesting. I felt like I could have asked you to define why you stayed with your family, <laughs> uh, because the answers were very similar, right? You talked about like, hey, right. it wasn't perfect. There was some ugliness, there was some heartache, etc. But we stayed together. I mean, that's a family, right? Like the family right. isn't perfect, you know, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, uncles, uh, but we stay together together. Through mm-hmm. you know, the proverbial thick and thin, and that's how you describe. That was really special, you know. As someone who, uh, my alma mater, uh, Troy University in Alabama. You know, I my son's name is Troy. I mean, that's how important that university <laughs> is to me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have a lot of uh, empathy in, uh, for that way you described that that the school for you yeah. like that that really uh, that was special. Now you mentioned working under Tori Edwards, and you never had uh, worked with a uh, female in leadership for track and field. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm always love love to explore those kind of topics uh, to help the coaching profession continue to move forward. Can you help us understand, in for your experience, why was that important for you?
2: It was, it was important because just like you know, people say you know. Sometimes you need to see other people in a role. Um, That's how it was for me. Um, And it it wasn't like I didn't see other women that were head coaches. I saw women that were in that role, but to actually work with a woman Mm. and understand how a woman in that role could navigate um, just being one of the only women in a space like Mm -hmm. working in an athletic department you know a lot of many a lot of times it's predominantly male Mm -hmm. and to see a woman navigate and not take any mess from anyone was what I needed before I could really step into a role as a head coach Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that my university was like oh put team in a row I'm so happy like because like I needed to work with Tori Edwards. Like I needed to see and and the awesome thing about it was it was actually her first time ever being a head coach. Mm. Like she had worked. Um, she had been like a volunteer at UK. She um worked in like a several different roles as assistant coach, volunteer coach, but this was her first time too. And it was like we were in a in many ways doing this together. For me, it wow. was like my first time working under a woman. Um And understanding like the way she thought and how I didn't see as clear as she did. And then it was her first time being in a leadership role where there was like this big, great expectation because she was Tori Edwards. And (laughs) it was like, (laughs) and she just showed me so much of her humanity um, as she navigated that role. Like just like fighting for our team and making sure we had the things that we needed. And it was like, you know, I had worked with so many people that were alum of our program. And you know, you have a different alum. Like you said, you're a Troy um alum. And you have a level of love when it's when it's home, right? But for her to not have any tie to our university, she's she wasn't an HBCU graduate. No tie to Kentucky State University. The love that I saw her give our student athletes, you know, the love she put into the work she did, it was amazing. And I I really needed her. Like I needed to see a woman do that job. And I'm so happy to just watch her navigate through the highs and lows. And we were able to have conversations about, when there were lows and understanding how she felt about it and what could be changed and, you know, what we needed to do. And I'm thankful. (laughs) Like there's so many people to thank in my coaching journey, but that was the first woman I worked with. um, First female coach. And just to see just what she did in her time at the university. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like a core memory for me of being able to have that. Like, I went from watching the woman on TV as a kid to working <laughs> with her, and it blew me away. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, that's I, I think, you know, representation matters. And, and I'm yeah. um, amazed, and specifically in our sport, um, you know, the, the amount of African-Americans who participate in the sport as related to the amount of African-Americans who coach the sport, That is extremely disproportionate. Uh, And the same with the female uh, participation to the female coaching. Um, And there are certainly, you know, I I, um, appreciate the societal, um, what's the word, uh, pressures, maybe? I'm not sure if that's the right word, uh, towards women in society as far as, you know, caregivers and mothers uh, and how that relates to work, but man, you know, I see, um, I see lots of women in the, the, um, uh, professional sector, um, uh, in the, um, business owner sector, et cetera, that are, that are navigating it. And, you know, so, so what that makes me feel like we can navigate, uh, womanhood and motherhood as a, as a, a professional track and, as a, as a professional track and field coach, meaning high school or college, uh, right. track coaching. But we, we, it feels like we have to do coaching differently, though, to do that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like, actually, I, I say that as a good right. thing. Like, I'm not uh, real keen on how we do coaching. I'm not sure it's real healthy uh, with our 24 7, 365 day a year attitude towards uh, the profession of coaching. I'm not sure that's real healthy. Uh, and it certainly seems to be not healthy for keeping women in our profession, uh, whether they go through motherhood or not, but just keeping them in our profession at all it does not seem uh very congruent (laughs) to uh, accomplishing that goal for sure so um so i always love when you know when we have uh women on on the podcast or we have people who work for women it's like hey you know what impact did that make because i've never yet have never had anybody say you know no impact if it was a dude or if it was a girl it didn't matter to me and i was like no there's something different Uh, it's special unfortunately it's special and what i mean by that is because it is still so rare So when we do see a woman in a leadership role in our sport, it's like, whoa, it's like, man, I wish that was just commonplace, (laughs) you know, you know, roughly. Uh, Okay. So we're at that point. Thank you for sharing that Fatima. And and honestly, you know, it it says something about your character there. Um, You know, when they go out and hire someone else, and I know that someone else in this specific case was Tori Edwards. And, uh, you know, she has a lot of athletic background that, you know, Boy, I'd be jealous. I'd love to have half of her athletic accolades. (laughs) Uh, But it says a lot about your character for someone and again, your love for the university. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people would have been like turned off. Like, wait a minute, you're passing me up for her. She hasn't done anything. I don't care that she's done this many teams and ran this fast, whatever, blah, blah. blah. But instead you took that as like, all right, well, first of all, I love this university. and I love this program. Uh, And it sounded like uh, you you were kind of had the posture of like, well, I'm going to learn from it. Um, And we're going to learn together as you two are both navigating that. So I I think that shows a lot about uh, the positivity of your character there, which I think says a lot about you. Okay, but now we're at that point, we're trying to figure out, Okay, you obviously have this great love for Kentucky State, but you're in Vermont. (laughs) All right. So talk to us. How did we transition up to Vermont? Why did we go up there? And uh, what are we doing up there? Uh, I uh,
2: I'm I will. I'm trying to think uh in august i've lived here for three years i actually live in new hampshire um uh-huh. it's like almost if you i'm sure you've been to louisville and maybe new albany indiana mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the same as far as like that border it's and some the imaginary line they put on a map. <laughs> yeah. yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's like you cross the street, you're in Lebanon, or you're in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. you cross the street again, you're in Vermont, you cross yep. the river, all those things. Yep. Um, but I actually moved here August 2020 in the middle of the pandemic with wow. my partner. Um, my partner is um a postdoctoral uh research scientist at Dartmouth College. Whoa. So, <laughs>
0: <Damn>.
2: so <laughs> we did relocate here August 2020. Um When I relocated, I was, I guess at that point, two months since, um, I had left Kentucky State University. Um, I had no idea of what was next at that time. I knew I had to get a job, (laughs) (laughs) but I wasn't sure of what, um, and I just started looking at, you know, what that would look like for me. I still, I was not ready to stop coaching. Um, So I ended up looking, I started looking for jobs and, um, it's funny. I had three job offers in one week, actually four, um, an interview I actually forgot about because I was so overwhelmed with the amount of interviews. It was like, (laughs) no callback, no callback. And then I started getting like phone calls and interviews. Um, at what's that, that thing time, when it,
1: when it rains it pours
2: it's it like a, does yeah. yeah it was a good rain right <laughs> yeah right <Yeah. laughs> the summer rain um but uh i had and this was january actually like i had been up here just kind of trying to navigate pandemic mm. and figure yeah. it out
1: yeah, time to find a job. yeah
2: yeah i well yes and a job that i wanted to do and like just i mean I'm a, you know, former student athlete. I still needed some kind of fulfillment out of the deal, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I ended up having the opportunity between being a insurance agent (laughs) uh, and a teacher. And it was a long-term sub position Mm. um, that I had applied for. And I had went on an interview with the insurance agency got offered the job, did the interview with the um high school. I was offered the job and I was thinking about like the commute. And again, I'm in Vermont. I'm in at that time I'm living in Vermont, New Hampshire, border town and all that, or border state. Um and I was like, I don't know if I really wanna drive to my job. My job was going to be 30 minutes away. Now, let's go back to Kentucky State. I was driving every day to work from Lexington to Frankfurt 30 minutes.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, rain, sleet, snow, whatever. But Rainsley and snow in Kentucky and Rainsley and snow in the upper vi- valley in the northeast are two different things.
0: Oh, yeah. Polar
2: opposites. Emphasis well, on polar, right? I think, right?
1: Ax- I think uh, uh, bold polar in that, by the way. Yes,
2: very bold. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went to my interview for the insurance agency, we had just had a really big snowstorm. And my partner and I at that at the time we were actually excited for the storm. It was our first big snow. Snow, I know that didn't last long. First big <laughs> snow, it snowed uh I want to say like 20 inches in maybe six hours. Yeah, I see your face. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so the first the first first time it snowed. We're like, you know, the meme with, like, Spongebob and Patrick and Squidward, where Squidward's, like, staring out the window at, you know, the two of them frolicking. That was our neighbors, as my partner and I frolicked outside at 5 (laughs) a.m., playing in the snow. What's
0: wrong with these people?
2: Yeah. (laughs) What's wrong with them? We're from the Midwest. That's why. (laughs) Um, But uh, when I went to do my interview, they were like, yeah, by the way, that snowstorm, we actually got uh 26 inches, and I'm like blankly staring at like the 30 minute travel that I made and how they mm-hmm. were six inches. They it was six inches more, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh! So that the, was one started of
1: the spinning, reasons. huh? <laughs> yes, yeah, like, yes. Oh, wait a minute!
2: I did not accept that job. Um, I accepted the job at the high school. Teaching biology, earth space and science, had a blast. Um, mm-hmm. had the job for a few months. Uh, teacher came back from maternity leave. I went in as a uh a uh full-time sub. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, um, about I guess a month into subbing, had a brief conversation with the athletic director about sports. And I was like, Yeah, I used to coach. And I was like, I'll send you my resume if you guys have any uh opportunities. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he sees my resume and he's like, Oh, oh okay.
1: He's like, Oh, you <laughs> so coach, So I ended up coach. Like the
2: program. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, You coach, coach. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> so um, I joined the program. Um, and it was different. Um, I had no clue of what i was getting into um just being able to take a majority of the team they enjoyed being out there but they weren't out there really to i don't know they weren't really looking they didn't care if they won or if they won a title or anything they just really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and i didn't understand that feeling honestly i didn't understand that right away like you know, like I want to win. I want to like have some fun while doing it. I do understand mm-hmm. the fun, but I didn't understand that. And then I started to see why, like, you know, like these kids, like they're out here with their friends. It's just like almost like I wouldn't say a club team, but they're mm-hmm. just enjoying it. I, and
1: I, in fact, I, that's what I was thinking it was a club. Like plenty of people yeah. join the chess club or the debate yeah. club and don't have any, like, I don't want to become a grandmaster, but I enjoy yeah. the event, and I enjoy the people in that event, and so just right. change that to the track team, or the exactly. football team, right, yeah. mm-hmm.
2: and so my time there, I discovered the reason why people weren't really that into it, is because, like, lacrosse is big here, and baseball, mm-hmm. yep. and so people didn't really necessarily care about track and field that much, Right. And then my first season with the program, we ended up, um, breaking the school record in the four by eight. And, um, we started to build on some momentum, like the program had, had some stellar athletes over the years. And, but, um, over time, like with lacrosse being one of the major sports, more students were really interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. And, um, just having the opportunity to, like, show kids, like, we can do this. Like, let's keep doing it. Let's keep trying it. Um, I actually ended up recruiting, like, almost every kid I taught that mm-hmm. first year there. Mm-hmm. And by, at the latest, their senior year, which all of those kids graduated last weekend, they had all ended up joining. Like, at least 50% of the kids I had in class had joined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just, like, seeing the love for the sport to grow because again like lacrosse baseball that's the go-to um so that following fall after my first year I actually took over the cross country program as the head coach and for track and field assistant coach um first year um coach had been like some transitions of coaches over the years and I just pretty much asked the kids to like just run with me just trust me and first year, we um now the girls team had previously already won the uh the conference title. Um, had lost a few athletes, but um those kids, because I had a few of them for track and field, there was already like some trust in, some buy-in. And like I think having those kids in the spring allowed them to say, Hey, coach mm-hmm. is gonna give her all, she's gonna come put the work in with you guys and it's gonna not gonna lead you astray and we ended up on both sides which like was the first time in school history we won our conference title for the boys and girls for cross country and so that was like the beginning (laughs) and then I started um it was my second year this past year um coaching our track and field program for the summer we won state um and like my whole reason for coaching that program was like to like build that love for track and field like lacrosse popular is growing mm-hmm. but to like show kids there's other sports which you know I feel like track and field is the sport for everyone you know you Amen. can
0: Absolutely.
2: Anyone can do track. It doesn't mean you're going to be the greatest. That's right. But you can find your greatness like you can literally find the event that fits you that you can work at that you can get better at so um I just like every year I've just been trying to add to the program um I don't really consider myself like I don't know I I know I'm a part of the the winning um but like I think the the biggest part of the winning is the student athletes like they're really putting in everything they can they're showing up and I think the result of that was uh last the spring 2022 season our boys they got third. it was like their highest finish in years for the outdoor season and then we rolled around into the indoor season and we won state and um it's like the continued buy-in. It's the continued, like, let me bring my friend out here and try and see what uh. they can do. And it's just amazing to see it grow. Like, the conversations of, okay, this is what I'm going to try next year. Or, mm. you know, I really like this coach. Uh, What else can I do? Like, it's it's great to see because track and field in the Northeast is – uh. In Vermont, really, like, it's more so, like, I feel like student-athletes are more so into the distance events, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, But it's amazing to see the program grow at Hartford, and it's growing elsewhere. And we have some beautiful, high-caliber programs in the state of Vermont that, you know, those kids love it. And despite the fact that, you know, some of these other spring sports or even winter sports. Cause we do have winter track and field, um, indoor track. Uh, even though like people are pushing over to basketball and a lot of those team sports, like people still have a love for this sport. And I love it because like, when I got, when I arrived to Vermont and started working with the team, we had a decent sized team, but, but now we're like, we're about a few kids shy of needing a second bus so yeah that's where we are so
1: healthy things grow I love that it's exciting I I
2: think a big part of it is like my athletic director is a product of the program he graduated I won't put his age out there but he graduated a little while a while back um (laughs) he he loves it he doesn't it's not just his love for track and field but he just loves athletics and that's why I think we click so well because of how he thinks about student athlete welfare, like how he thinks about the needs of a student athlete outside of just, Oh, I want to win. Oh, you, you need like that mental health aspect. You need like someone in as your strength and conditioning coach. And we have all of those things. And I didn't know high school programs could have so much. Mm -hmm. And, that's a big part of like why our programs are successful and they're continuing to grow and not just track and field, but also our lacrosse, like our lacrosse program just won state two weeks ago. Um, Our boys, our girls won last year and it's just, I don't know, Hartford's just doing something right. And a lot of that right is making sure that kids are not just from a I guess, a win, just win, 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 but making sure they're winning in the classroom and winning from a mental health aspect. So,
1: you know, I love to dispel myths. And one of the myths that we talk about frequently here is that a high school coach can't coach college, um, which is super interesting to me because a lot of our guests, the college coaches, started out as high school coaches. So I don't understand how we have this myth, and yet the majority, I won't say the majority, a lot of coaches uh, have come from the high school level, two that kind of come to my mind, one from your neck of the woods, uh, a young man named Mike Holloway, also known as Mouse, uh, he yeah. coached high school before he coached Florida, yeah. and then just recently, uh, now new women's head coach at University of Arkansas, Chris Johnson, also started as a high school coach, so I just, yeah. you know, so this is fascinating to me, because I think this might be, might you might be our first college coach who went to high school, what mm-hmm. I'm interested in, you know, knowing that we don't talk X's and O's, we can assume that some differences between coaching college going to high school is um, the amount of training and maybe the maybe the, the level of training because you're dealing with younger training age kids. Right. So just maybe assume that part. But what else have you seen that you've had to adjust? Uh, maybe more philosophy or how you treat or talk to the kids or alumni and parents, I, I don't know. What are some of the things that you've noticed you've had to do not lower. Like I'm not painting the picture of college is here and high school is down here. I'm just saying there are differences. What have you noticed that you've had to do differently from your college coaching experience to now your high school coaching experience?
2: Um I don't know if I want to say this is gonna sound weird or if people won't believe me, but I honestly haven't changed anything. Hmm. Like, um now as far as like a training aspect um workouts like volume maybe you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. but as far as like who I show up as every Mm -hmm. day I haven't really adjusted that because like for instance as a college coach um now I had many times where I was the only paid coach and I had a coaching us a staff that was uh volunteers and GAs and part-time and no time and managers right but no matter what and no matter how loaded my schedule was I tried to always make sure I showed up for my student-athletes and not just the show up of oh making sure I'm at your event you know that's <laughs> the meet but no excuse me for a second allergies are kicking my butt up here um <laughs> I made sure I showed up for student athletes outside of the sport, you know, student athletes. Like I'm very like big on the, the holistic student athlete and. T- tell us what you really mean by that. that's, 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 a,
1: that's a fun word to say. Tell us what that means to you. When you say the holistic coaching.
2: For me, like literally to navigate, like as I navigated myself, Um, I'm not just a teacher and a coach like I am someone who likes to hike and I like to read and I like to travel Mm -hmm. and like some of those things like get more time than others and sometimes, you know, I don't get to do things I want to or um, just like I can't show up as the same person. And in coaching, I want my student athletes to be able to show up as who they are. Mm-hmm. And I want them to not just focus on, like when we talk about the X and, X's and O's in athletics, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want them to just focus on being an athlete. Like um, for college athletes, high school athletes, K through 8, you know, they're student athletes. And part of being that student isn't just the academic side you know in order to be a student you know while you do spend a majority of your day in classes and doing homework like there's other things that are involved like I have student athletes from previous experience at the collegiate level to now at high school that are actors and actresses they're in plays um they enjoy like going on family vacations um they're involved in things that are outside of my sport Mm. and I've seen, and I won't like really put it on a specific sport, but as an administrator, um, and just being a coach, I've seen where like that time that kids have outside of the sport, it's not respected. Mm. And, and I don't just see that in sport. I see that in people's careers. Like people get, um, they have employers that don't respect their time and if i'm going to believe in a person to be their themselves and be authentically them then i have to respect that what i want of them isn't 24 7 while we talk about people like uh having the opportunity to be like these lifelong learners and you know like i need time for me i need time to process what the why and you know what's happening in my classroom and what's happening on the track and you know my time to process is being away from it you know so I recognize that with my student-athletes like and so I like to show up for them I guess that's like long story getting to it um I show up for them outside of the sport if they have a band concert I'm there you know if they are presenting their artwork I'm there, you know, like I'm showing up for you because you show up for me, whether it's an hour or two hours out of your day, you show up and give me 100%. So even if I can't show up to all of your events, all, every event, I want to show up for you when I can. And I want you to see that I value your time and who you are outside of the sport. Um, And so for me, it's always been like that and I haven't changed, like, as a college coach, I had kids that were, they're like, coach, come to my play, coach, I'm running for this office position, can you help me, coach, can you just show up, sure, (laughs) sure, I'll be there, and I feel like I navigate life like that, like, you know, you get tired as a coach and a teacher, or whatever you're doing, but, like, I try to just show up for people, and I think that's, important for your student athletes for the people you love for your friends like you just show up and they don't know you're you know you're tired as all get out or you have like some paperwork you need to get done you just like I think I guess that's really part of being an adult you have to figure out the balance and how to get it done but um that's what hasn't changed for me like I haven't stopped showing up I haven't stopped believing in student athletes as people that deserve more than me to think that I should fill their day with my sport um I haven't stopped thinking about how the impact of a of a environment that's centered around family values um that's still the same like I believe in having uh parents and grandmothers and cousins a part of the program and inviting them to the events and you know making sure they know I value them. And the other thing that I haven't changed is I make sure like my partner, my partner has been with me. I've been with my partner for the last five years. Um, I make sure that I'm bouncing like my ideas and my thoughts off of her, because (laughs) if anybody's going to tell me like, no, babe, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) That's what's going to give it to me. That's Mm -hmm. what's going to like, tell me like, yeah, you could adjust that. Maybe you shouldn't say that, you know, (laughs) have you thought about it this way? You know, Because, like, I need feedback from all angles. And that's something I heard you say earlier about, you know, sometimes people get caught up in just their sport. But, like, for me, like, I have my people that I love in track and field, the coaches that I value. I, like, absorb everything they say and I process it. But I also really, like, have several basketball coaches. I love to, like, see what they're doing and what they're, what they're saying, how they're treating their student-athletes. I like to look at people outside of the profession, like, you know, like, my partner's the sciences. I like to look at track and field and teaching the way she looks at her science. And when, like, I find myself in a room with, like, her science buddies, like, I'm taking it in. Sometimes I'm not understanding. Like sometimes yeah. it's like, <laughs> I'm still back. I'm coming shortly. But like, <laughs> but like, I like to like absorb what's around me because I feel like everything can benefit my student athletes. And so I haven't changed anything. I've I've changed the volume.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: and I that's it i really i've i've changed volume like i even like i'll tell the kid like hey i used to do this with my my college age athletes but don't worry the times are different the volume is different Mm -hmm. i want to see how your body reacts or you know i used to do this but guess what we're not doing that i learned (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's not the best practice so honestly i don't think i've changed um
1: Some real important things you said there were about identity, you know, you talked a a little bit about both the athlete, the athlete's identity of, you know, um, track and only track. And I, you know, I can't do other sports and things like that. And then you you spoke about the role of identity in us as a coach. Um, and I I think that's so important, you know, what you said there about, you know, the, the role of, I think of it as like, um, like if I were to say, Fatima, write down uh, the top 10 roles you play, um, you know, you're a daughter, uh, you're a partner, you're a coach, uh, I'm certain that you're a best friend. I mean, there, there's roles that you've had, you know, uh, you said you like um, uh, uh, hiking, you're a hiker, that's a role, you know, and I, right. when, when I talk with coaches around the country about their role of coaching. What I see in a lot of instances is that we put coaching as number one, and we forget that there are some really much, much more important roles, spouse, father, mother, son, daughter, etc., you know, where you sit with your faith, etc., that are way more important than coach. But in society, right. because it's sport, and in our um, niche of track and field, you know, we put, in, and I'm, you know, I, I think this is a positive, we put coaching as this pedestal, and I'm with that, but right. we get to understand that there are higher pedestals there exactly. as well. So to understand that, yeah, we love track, and boy, we want to talk it 24-7, and we want our athletes to be so dedicated and focused, but t- to your point, these kids are... They they have hobbies of the chess club and they want to become yep. scientists and um, they enjoy spending time with their little sister or whatever. There's right. a million 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 things and that is not only is that okay but man that's really important, right? <laughs> really important rounding out who you are uh, as an individual. So I think you said some really really fantastic things there and I like to hear you know I'm actually very very happy the way you uh, answer the question of what do you do differently as a college coach versus a high school coach because it's interesting you're, you're very unique of that twist of like you came from the high school side and went to high school where usually it's the reverse. Uh, and again, I told you, you know I like to bust these myths. So, like I think you really strengthened my um, argument, if you will, of that. There's not much of a difference. There is different one hundred percent difference in training age when we talk about volumes and things like that. absolutely. Um, and maybe there is difference in, uh, okay, if you're on college, if you're in college on a team, and specifically, maybe if you're on scholarship, okay. You know, there are some things you're going to have to make sacrifices for because it's your job. You're getting paid, you know, that kind of thing. Where in high school, it's like, man, you may have to miss a day because you got to go to band practice. I don't know. I mean, I'm not (laughs) going to be on the high school track team, so it's hard for me to say no, you know, in that instance. (laughs) uh, But but uh, but, but I like that there was like oh yeah no I still you know it, it actually kind of goes back to uh, Coach Broussard's lesson of you know what I heard you you describe you didn't say these words but you kept describing you've continued to coach the person not the event it's like oh. I have to learn about these people. Uh, Someday they're going to come to practice and they're going to be high and boy, we're going to have the greatest practice in the world. And sometimes some bad things happen. uh, They're just low. And so, you know, because I know them as a person, I know we're going to have to expect something maybe a little differently from them at practice. So I love, uh, I love this uniqueness of college to high school because it strengthens my resolve that A high school coach, 100% can be successful uh, coaching college. And uh, reverse is true as well, that a college coach, like take, uh, I always like to pick on my my buddy Mouse, take Mouse and take him back to Columbus and Brookhaven High School. It's like, man, do you think he'd be successful? I think so. And I think (laughs) most people would say yes, because, oh, well, he knows how to coach. I I don't think that, I I think that has something to do with it. I think more of though, oh, Mouse knows how to relate to people.
0: Yes, that's
1: why he would be successful. Not because he knows the X's and O's maybe better than the majority of us. Yes, he knows how to deal with people and young people. That is why he would be successful at Brookhaven High School, my old high school, this college, that college, professionally, etc. That's why he's successful. And there's many, many other uh, examples like that in the high school and college side of things. Man, I really do. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: I'm gonna prepare you, Mike, because uh, Coach Coach Mouse might get on you because he's a he's a Lennon McKinley alum. So just be ready.
1: <laughs> I just said Brookhaven because you mentioned Brookhaven. Yeah, I knew he was Columbus. I can never remember what high. School <laughs> yeah,
2: but, but you're right. Brookhaven was my high school. Right, right, I right. Know that's why I used Brookhaven alone. That's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll ask for grace that I didn't remember what high school he went to. <laughs>
2: I don't think he would, uh, I don't think he would be upset. He's he's okay to get upset. McKinley was supposed to be actually my home. Uh, That's my, that was my home high school, but I went to Brooklyn. Nice, nice,
1: nice, nice. I love it. it. Well, Fatima, wrap us up here today. You know, again, super uh, love your journey. I mean, what, and what's really cool about your journey is, it's always tough with the podcast because we have to wrap up the podcast at some point. Right. Uh, so there's an ending here, but the cool part is your journey is not ending. You, you, you're still, you know, to use a track analogy, maybe, maybe you're at the 200 meter mark of a 400 meter race. Maybe right. you, you've still got many, many years ahead of you, whether it continues in uh, the high school setting or college setting, or maybe not in track and field at all. You're very multi-talented here. Um, right. So that's the really cool part is like the journey continues. The, positive impact that you make on young kids continues uh even today. And so I just love that for you and love that for the kids that you get to to impact on a daily basis.
2: Right. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So what, what goes on from here? You um your your partner is in a doctorate program, which you know, I, yeah, I'm from Alabama. I can't. know oh,
2: she's post post-doctoral. Post, what, 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 yeah. what does that mean? Does that mean she already has her PhD? Uh, yes, she already has her uh, doctorate. She got it in the middle of the pandemic. She finished in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> so, yes. So she's, so, she's but, doing she's, her research.
1: OK, will she go on to teach somewhere? Like, is there is there a possibility? Maybe you go a little warmer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are. Um, she is. She will be on the market. Pretty soon, in many ways, already on the market. So, um, she'll be out there. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really, sure, sure, talk too much on like where sh- we're thinking, but um, she is. I mean, she she does science well. Like that's my <laughs> what a gr- that's my no hero one
1: has ever said that on the podcast. They do science well.
2: <laughs> she does science well. Like she, I mean she she's the she's the coach holloway of science i feel like Like, oh hey that's a high
0: and i'm not just saying
2: that because she's my partner she's amazing so yeah she she does science well like she's amazing though
1: very cool well fatima again thank you so much um you know lots of laughs today lots of intro i mean again just your your story your journey of the love of kentucky state and how that how that showed up and how it shows up today with what you do with young kids there in uh, hartford vermont i mean it's just it's quite quite amazing uh, i'm really so like proud of you there there are many times in your story where i was like oh she could quit here and no one would have been like oh why'd she quit like oh it's understandable um you also could have felt uh, uh sorry for you so a lot of self-pity like oh I was a college coach. I can't I can't go down air quotes there to coach yeah. high schoolers. Instead, it feels like it sounds like every step of the way when a new challenge was presented, you faced it head on and made it the absolute best that you could and your support team, uh, you know, friends and family, et cetera, that could, could do, uh, could be with you for that. And so I'm just, I'm really just proud of you Fatima, honestly, man. Uh, young people have benefited from that attitude instead of, uh, being, uh, held back from that attitude. So it's really, really awesome. I think your, your journey today is going to, um, really help a lot of people that listen to it and understand like, wow, man, um, Boy, if, if Fatima can do it, I surely can do this in a much better attitude.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for being here today, Fatima. Uh, you certainly win the award for the most unique name, and I love that. Uh, you know, <laughs> there, you. there's enough Mikes and Davids in the world, so I, I'm always encouraging much more uh, interesting names. So I love love that, and I love your journey. And I'm just, again, so grateful uh, that you would join us here on the podcast this week.
2: Thank you. I, I'm happy to be here and... Just, this was exciting. This was fun. <laughs> <Awesome. I'm glad laughs> thank you for you. inviting me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and thank you for being here and listening. You know, we've dropped a lot of uh, podcast alums in this episode as well. So again, I'm going to encourage you. You know, our official historian over here now is uh, encouraging <laughs> you as well. Go back, look at the back law. Go find a coach, much like Fatima, that will challenge you and encourage you. That is the real value from this podcast is finding people that you can be encouraged by encouraged by their story and the ones that are going to challenge you uh if you're one of the coaches out there that think uh maybe, maybe you're a college coach and you think i can't hire a high school coach or i hear this equal amount of times i'm a high school coach i can't coach college that's not my level i challenge you and there's plenty of uh of um uh, past guests, just like Fatima here, that will uh, prove you wrong because uh, coaching is coaching and it's more about the person than it is the event. That was a pretty good hot take. That's We need to make sure people hear that right there. All right. Thank you again for being here this week. Come back next week and we'll do it all over again. Have a great week, everybody.